Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing the pause button to Edge Got In to your mind, your will, and those squirrely emotions. Today's topic is entitled The Power of Faith to Unleash Interior Freedom. The Power of Faith to Unleash Interior Freedom. The learning objective at the end of today's podcast is that you will have the opportunity to explore and apply six references to faith in the Gospel of St. Mark. We'll be offering the scriptures as well at edgegodin.com that are associated with today's podcast. If you visit us at edgegodin.com, that's our main website, you'll also find a one sheet to capture your learnings. As I've mentioned in other podcasts, you can use this one sheet to facilitate small groups around the topics that you'll find at, at Edge Got In in terms of the podcast topics, or to individually work through the, uh, the lessons that are offered each week here at Edge Got In. So visit us, join us, and help us spread the word. We're here for God to be his ambassadors to make Jesus recognizable in this world, particularly the love of God recognizable in this world. Our mission statement at Edge Got In is to champion your human potential in Christ. You can't give out what you haven't mastered within. Please visit our, our recent project. Edge Got In is basically becoming the voice of the Emotional Intelligence in Christ project. And you can visit us at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. We have launched a course as well as a book, and we're working on a six-week Bible study to accompany that. We'd love for you to join our community there. Uh, the emotions are, are hijacking our behavior lately. I know I'm guilty of that, and perhaps you've had some emotional flare-ups where you've experienced some behavior that later causes you to reflect and think, hmm, that was definitely not the best version of me in that situation. <laughs> so thank God we have the Holy Spirit to be our virtual assistant when it comes to managing our emotions well. No shocker here, because in the end times, Jesus says that offense will increase. Offense, again, the etymology of the word offense is scandalon, which is the part of the trap that actually holds the bait to trap the animal. And Satan's in the corner with his uh, calling card that's entitled deception and division. And he uses offense as a methodology to capture us into deception and division. Deception being that we forget whose we are. And he's used that tactic in the garden. And so it's really our intention to offer in the Emotional Intelligence in Christ Project by the help of the Holy Spirit an opportunity to come back, come back to that inner place of confidence and sustainable peace. And when you do get hijacked, you return quicker today than yesterday. So again, that's Emotional Intelligence in Christ Com. So let's jump in. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sweet Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to begin again today. Thank you for the opportunity to learn from the Gospels, particularly St. Mark. Man, he was on fire and a follower of Peter and truly captured Peter's experience of walking with you. And we just pray that we would be attentive to the words that he wrote 
because your word is sharper than any double-edged sword and it cuts through all of the shiny objects and distractions and deceptions that capture us and rob us of that peace that you died to give us. You can't do your mighty work in a heart that's not at peace, that's been hijacked by the world. Help us, Lord. Bring us back to that peace. In spite of all of the undesirable situations around us that we encounter, the hurt feelings that often happen because of opinions, perceptions of other people around us, or perhaps we're in a position where we feel helpless today. You do a mighty work when we come to the end of ourselves. So we give you permission to enter in, enter into the mess of our emotions, enter into the mess of our misunderstandings, our hardening of heart, and our insensitivity to the opportunities to love better today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, you are our rock and you are our redeemer. Have your way with us today. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, let's jump in here. So I'd like to start this conversation today entitled The Power of Faith to Unleash Interior Freedom. This is actually coming from a uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit within me that came from reading a book that I know, and this is second book of, of Jake's Philippe. And uh, he is uh, an incredible uh, writer and follower of Christ. It's actually Reverend Jake's Philippe, and he's a member of the community of the Beatitudes, which was actually founded in France in 1973. He was ordained in 1985 as a preacher of retreats in France and abroad. I actually had the opportunity to see him in person when he came through Colorado. And uh, the first book that really captured my heart that he wrote is called Searching for Maintaining Inner Peace. Highly recommend that one as well. The next book that I think I'm going to get from him is entitled In the School of the Holy Spirit. But the one that motivated me into today's topic was entitled Interior Freedom. And he mentions three specific focus points that really captured my attention. Um, one of them being maintaining trust in God. Two, loving people around us here and now. And three, being faithful in prayer. Maintaining trust in God is the is is really the inspiration for today's podcast. And trust is connected to belief and faith. It's incredible to me that wherever Jesus found faith, transformation happened, and sins were forgiven and lives were changed. Faith is referred to hundreds of times in, 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 in the scriptures, in the entire Bible. First Peter 1.5, particularly, Peter references it as we are kept by the power of God through faith. What does that mean, kept? Kept in the presence and intimacy, fellowship with God through faith. He also refers to, Peter refers to in verse 7, the trial of your faith, though tried with fire may result in glory honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
In verse 8 and 9, he mentions faith again. This is First Peter. Though you haven't seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you're, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith. What is the end result of our faith, my brothers and sisters in Christ? Peter lays it out here by continuing on and saying the salvation of your souls, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let's jump into what Jesus says about faith. When he used that word faith, which the Greek word of faith is pistis, pistis. And St. Mark just to give you a little context of when he was writing the gospel of Mark, he was actually writing to the Romans and Romans were action oriented people. So you'll notice the gospel of Mark is just straight to the point. It doesn't have the genealogy of Jesus. It doesn't even have the Lord's prayer. Um, it's, it's literally straight to the point and he focuses on what Jesus actually did. So the gospel of Mark is just the, uh, the direct I'm, I'm, imagining this, but being that he was a, a, a close follower of, of Peter, walked with Peter, he, he basically took the notes that Peter said, hey, this is, this is the way it went down. And, and then he created the Gospel of Mark, and it was written to the Romans who were action-oriented people. The power of faith to unleash interior freedom. As Jakes Philippe talks about that interior freedom comes when we release attachments, right, to the things of the world, even desired outcomes. Again, an attachment is an emotional state of clinging. So what are you clinging to today? Just pause and think about that for a moment. What is it that you're clinging to? Is it a desired outcome? Is it uh, healing? Wisdom? And you feel like you don't have wisdom, so you're clinging to the need to know what to do next. Whatever it is, Jesus says to us that his burden is easy and light. What does that mean? It means that we can go through the trials and tribulations and still have what Peter said in verse 9. We're filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. That's not dependent upon what happens outside of us. Rather, it's a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a result of our faith. God, I don't understand this situation. This makes no sense to me at all. And I believe that you're able to work this all together for a greater good than I can possibly imagine right now. I believe, help my unbelief. So it's that faith factor that we are talking about today. Six references to faith in St. Mark's. The first one occurs in the chapter two, verse five, and the, and the scriptures around that. But basically, it's the first uh, first time when faith is 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 applied, and it's applied to four men. Jesus applies it to four men, 
I'd like to also give a shout out to the inspiration too of the details of this. My notes that I took, because I got online after I was I was searching for interior freedom and faith, and an article popped up by Peter Edmonds, and he's SJ, um, Faith in the Gospels, it's called. So if you're interested in doing a little more research on that, feel free to, to uh, find that article by Peter Edmondson. It's called Faith in the Gospels. And my notes are directly taken from this article. And I used it actually as my, my quiet time with the Lord this last week. So I'm sharing with you the takeaways from this article. The first time that the faith, faith is actually applied by Jesus in St. Mark is the second chapter of St. Mark. And it's applied to the four men who bought the paralyzed man before Jesus. Perhaps you're familiar with that story that there were four men that, that had faith that if they could get their friend before Jesus, then he would be healed they believed. And Jesus affirmed that when he said, because of their faith, Jesus forgave his sins, because that's what Jesus, that's, that was the encounter. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, which of course caused a stir amongst the uh, Pharisees and onlookers that were like, what do you mean? No one can forgive sins. What are you talking about? But Jesus ignores that and he stays focused on what God's calling him to do. So that's an invitation for you today to ignore the uh, pushback that perhaps you're getting today for standing for truth. Jesus did it many times. The other time that Jesus did it when he was, was when he went to uh, raise the young child of the centurion from the dead. Um or not the centurion, but the uh, the man who came to Jesus, whose child had died, the daughter who had died, and um, he was going into the house, and people said, "Well, don't even bother; she's dead." And it says that ignoring what they said, Jesus continued on. So pray for the grace to ignore the riffraff that Satan uses to distract you from standing firm in truth. That's kind of a little segue. Coming back to the first time that faith is used in the Gospel of Mark, it's when the four men bought the paralyzed man, and Jesus forgave the sins of this man, and he was healed because of the faith of his friends. The second use of the word faith occurred with the disciples. And this is a common story as well. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 40, have you still no faith? So this is this is actually Jesus offering a warning, as uh, Peter Edmonds referred to it as. And I, and I loved his approach on that because it's really a warning. It's like, hey, you guys have been walking with me long enough. And yet this is the scene. They go out on a boat. There's a big storm. Um, perhaps you're in a big storm today, metaphorically speaking. And fear is coming up. Fear that it's not going to turn out well, whatever it is. Fear that you'll lose control. Fear that you are losing control. There's all different kinds of fuels that Satan uses to hijack you. So you can use this. Per, you can use this specific reference to another example of faith that Jesus points it out when he says, "You have no faith." 
because the, the, he was sleeping in the back of the boat. Jesus was actually asleep when the storm was going on and his disciples were freaking out because of the storm. Totally been there. Guilty. So Jesus is offering a warning as Paul did in Galatians 5, 6, when Paul says, faith without works is dead. Solid faith, such as the disciples were yet to master, empowers the believer to cope with the storms we encounter. And this is actually uh, the words of Peter Edmonds. Again, this is a powerful statement. I'll say it again. Solid faith, such as the disciples were yet to master, empowers the believer to cope with the storms we encounter. To empowers the believer to cope with the storms we encounter. Second takeaway, the first being from the men who bought the paralyzed friend and he was healed, uh, the, is that where Jesus found faith, he declared sins were forgiven. The second takeaway here is that um, solid faith actually empowers the believer to cope with the storms we encounter. So when you feel that you're sinking or that you're looking at the storm, Jesus, you feel perhaps is sleeping in your boat whatever that, that boat is, metaphorically speaking. And you're kind of at a point of like, hey, where are you? Like, I'm not seeing your hand work in this situation. Come back to that faith and, and be very honest with God because you can handle it. Hey, I'm not thinking, I can't see your hand, Lord. I feel like you're sleeping in my boat. So what happens? They wake him up. He calms the storm, and then he says, you have little faith. Why are you so fearful? Mark 440, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So if you truly, or if I truly believe that no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what's happening in your life right now, if you truly, truly believe that God is able to work out a greater good then had this not even happened, and you believe that God is with you and will carry you and your loved ones through whatever it is that you're facing today, then, then fear disappears. As, as Joyce Myers once said, when fear comes knocking at the door, send faith to answer it. Third reference of fear in St. Mark's third use of, of the word faith in the gospel of Mark. This is a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, 12 years. She's been suffering with something. So perhaps you have been suffering with a condition, uh, perhaps mentally or physically or spiritually for quite some time. And you're, you're looking for relief and you haven't gotten that relief. So this is a woman that obviously rumors out on the street. There's this guy, Jesus, and he's healing people. And she has enough faith to bring her out to seek, to seek out the healing, to seek out an encounter with Christ. And the, and, and the woman, her cure actually came in two stages, and this is laid out beautifully by Peter Edmonds in his article. It's, car it's carried out in, in two stages. The first stage, she sought out the cure by touching Jesus, which led to fear and trembling. It led to that sense of fear 
and trembling. So first she sought it out, sought out the cure, but she had this fear. Uh, perhaps you're, you're seeking a solution and the fear is, what if I don't get it? Perhaps today you're having a question of, what if I don't get my desired outcome? What if my loved one isn't healed? It's that what if place that Satan plays with your mind and wants to hijack your trust. It's the same tactic he used in the garden. Did God really say that? He's, he's all about planting that seed of doubt. So the woman had enough faith to actually take action. So that's the first stage. She sought him out, seeking the cure with fear and trembling. The second phase of that healing experience, it was only after falling down before Jesus, actually encountering him, because she reached out, she grabbed his cloak, and instantly she had enough faith to unleash that power in Christ, and her healing was complete. So it was only after falling down before Jesus and telling him the whole truth that she found her cure complete. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, your faith has made you well. So he turned and said, who touched me? She initially comes, fear, trembling. And then she experiences the love and acceptance of Christ, daughter. He personalizes that for you today. My daughter, my son, I see you. I see your suffering. I see your frustration, your anxiety that's coming from trying to do life through your own efforts versus the power of my presence within you. And I'm coming for you. Jesus is coming for you today. Just as he turned and he knew the importance of that fullness of encounter that that woman needed, that edification. The third takeaway is faith can grow through a personal encounter and relationship with the Lord. Faith grows through that personal encounter with the Lord. And it comes through honesty. So feel the fear and go for it anyway. Lord, I don't think this is going to turn out from my limited perspective, and I'm willing to believe that you can act on my behalf in spite of my doubt. Help my unbelief. The fourth reference in the gospel of Mark. Faith occurs a fourth time in Mark, and that this, this happens with the cure of Bartimaeus, one of my favorite stories. He's a blind beggar, and so here Jesus is, the crowd is passing by, He's heard words on the street. This guy, Jesus, is healing people. And so he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and Jesus keeps going. Perhaps he heard him, but wanted to establish just the strength of his faith. Either way, Jesus stopped and turned. Bring him to me. He pleaded three times with Jesus for mercy and healing. And then Jesus stopped three times. So the takeaway for, for, for this encounter is that it teaches us how to persevere in prayer. It wasn't just the first time that, you know, Jesus was walking by and he's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and healed him. It was three times that he called out. And Mark 10, 52, go, 
your faith has saved you. Jesus turns, encounters him, there is a healing. Go again, your faith has saved you. Notice the common thread here. Your faith has saved you. Or he points out to his disciples, where is your faith? So this, my friends, is an incredible opportunity for us to get very focused on expanding our faith and really leaning into that. Look up the scriptures that have to do with faith and take time to ask the Holy Spirit to increase your faith. This is the pivotal point, choice point. Do you believe? Do you have more faith in the ability of God to move you through successfully, whatever it is you're going through today? Then you do the circumstance. Come back. Come back. As these individuals that Jesus encountered encountered did. What's interesting in the Greek, Greek Orthodox monks will often say, and I learned this as well as I was reading through the article by uh, Peter Edmund, Edmonds, is that, um, and, my, and my husband's Greek Orthodox, and I'm always interested in, in that, they have such a beautiful practice. The monks will often say in, in Greek Orthodox, just have this as a chant, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So this week I've, I've kind of made that just a chant so that my mind doesn't wander between activities and Satan doesn't have an opportunity to plant a seed of negativity or doubt. I just keep declaring that Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mark 10, 47. So faith is linked to persistent prayer. That is the fourth time that faith occurs in the gospel of St. Mark. The fifth time Jesus spoke the word of faith to his disciples when they discovered the fig tree. So this is, this is a, a beautiful, a beautiful uh, pause in the scriptures as Jesus and his disciples are traveling and he's in his ministry and he comes by a fig tree that's not producing any figs. So Jesus cursed the fig tree, basically like, hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I, I often think of it as linked to the three, the, the talents, three different talents. Some Jesus gave more talents to others, and the man he gave one talent to was afraid and hid it and didn't produce anything. And that's the one where Jesus in the parable speaks about the fact that you wicked servant, you didn't do anything with what I gave you. So there's something to be said as well for us to be attentive to, okay, Lord, show me my gifts and help me to be using them in a way to glorify you. Because I don't want to stand before you and you say, well, you didn't do much. You didn't do anything with anything I gave you. So really tune in to not only what your gifts are, but what does God want to do with those gifts? As the scripture says, we are the handiwork of God and he is preparing us to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. We're called to do good works that God's already prepared in advance for us to do. So dear God, show us what our good works are today, because you've already prepared them. We're told that. Help me not to be distracted by my own selfishness, my own focus on what I think, what I want, what I need, so that I can go forth and do your mighty work and have faith. So they're just in everyday life passing by, there's a fig tree that he cursed the previous day. And lo and behold, the next day when they went by, the disciples were like, oh my gosh, that fig tree was alive yesterday. We witnessed you cursing it and Shazam, it's withered. 
And so there's such a powerful lesson of prayer here. And Jesus actually pauses to take, this is, this is his kind of dissertation on prayer in the, in, in the gospel of Mark. As I mentioned in the beginning, we don't have the, uh, the, our father prayer laid out here, our father who art in heaven, the Lord's prayer. What he does do is he does give a dissertation at this point in the scriptures, verses 23 through, or 22 through 23, and this is out of um, chapter 11 in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus gives the longest instructions on prayer in the Gospel of Mark, and uh, he basically sums it up in three statements. The first part is, have faith in God, uh, whatever he says have faith in God. Uh, that's the first, that's verse 22. So the first part of this prayer dissertation, and this would be a fun little Bible study for you, uh, quiet time before the Lord, just go to that section in the gospel of Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 22, 23, and you can read the verses around it. And notice those three main points or invitations. The first one is have faith in God. The second point is be confident and trusting. Say to, and that's that's the second point, because when Jesus, after this encounter, Peter's like, wow, look at, look at what happened here. And Jesus goes on to say, well, be confident and trusting, because you could say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. Don't have doubt in your heart, though, but believe, and it'll be done for you. So there's there's some incredible invitation just in these this this small story in in the Gospel of Mark around the withered fig tree. Jesus says, "Have faith in God." Then he says, "Be confident and trusting." He talks about the mountain. If you have faith to move the mountain and say to this mountain, "Move," and you believe that it will be, then it'll be done. That again, he's giving that connection that faith is linked to those answered prayers. Do you believe? It's done to you according to your belief. And the third point is to include mutual forgiveness or forgive. In the scriptures, it says forgive, goes on to say that your father will forgive you in heaven. And that's verse 25 in Mark chapter 11. So again, Jesus uses this awareness of his disciples when they notice, oh my gosh, you curse the fig tree one day and the next day it's withered. What's that about? He uses that as an incredible teaching opportunity to explain the power of faith. The last time, and this is referred to as the most memorable by Peter Edmonds, and, and I agree on this one because this, was, this is a really powerful invitation for us around belief. And even though the word faith, pistis, is not used, the word Apistia, and I think I'm pronouncing that correct. I'll have to ask my husband on that one because he had a Greek yaya. Apistia is the Greek word for unbelief, and that's referred to as belief and unbelief in these scriptures. And this is the Gospel of Mark 9:24, the father of the epileptic boy, or the boy who is um, depicted actually in in one of the Jesus Christ of Nazareth is as being possessed, or the epileptic boy. Either way, the father came to him, and uh, this was after he actually bought his son to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't heal him. 
And so Jesus' response to that is, oh, faithless generation. Basically, how long do I have to put up with you guys? <laughs> You've seen it. Where's your faith? Now, if you remember when we started uh, in Peter, Peter lays out in 1 Peter 1, 7, he said, hey, um, or one or uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, 8 and 9, though you haven't seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And that's us. He's talking about us because Peter saw him and loved him in person when he walked the earth. But he's also, as Jesus did in John chapter 17, he prays for us that those who haven't been with me when I walk the earth, you and me, but will they'll come to believe in me because of your testimony. That's us. So Jesus is inviting us here to increase our belief. Even though we haven't seen, we believe. Yay. How does that help you maintain peace? By putting that belief into action and trust. So the most memorable, again, is this story of the father bringing the epileptic boy to the disciples. They couldn't heal them. Jesus is like, again, uh, where's your faith? When they didn't get their desired outcome, it was, a, it was a faith crisis. I believe, help my unbelief. It's one of the most powerful prayers. I've prayed that so many times throughout my life. And that could be another great mantra. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me is one of them. Another mantra that perhaps you'll take from today to to keep your mind focused on Christ in transitions so Satan doesn't get gain ground and landscape between your two ears is I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Yes, I'm still frustrated and anxious about this. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief that you were going to do a mighty work out of this. Just keep on, keep on at it. Keep on at it. Just like Bartimaeus, you just keep on asking. I believe, help my unbelief was the response of this father um, to Jesus. What is the result? The boy is healed. So wrapping things up here, let's go back to the first statement that actually inspired this podcast message from Jake's Philippe's, Philippe, uh, his book, Interior Freedom. And again, today's title is The Power of Faith to Unleash Internal Freedom. So is, as was the case with all of these references to faith in the gospel of Mark, whether it be the paralyzed man and the faith of their friends, whether it be the disciples and their lack of faith when Jesus was asleep in the boat, in the, in the storm, or whether it be the faith that occurred with Bartimaeus, the blind man that called out three times, or the faith of the, the faith lesson that Jesus gave with the fig tree withering, or whether it be the faith of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. All of them have that common thread of faith, meaning even though I don't understand the situation, I have enough faith to get off the couch and to seek the healing, to seek the resurrection, uh, restoration, to seek the peace back in my heart. 
And um, we have an opportunity today to come back to the Prince of Peace, to the one who can inspire our faith. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And Reverend Jakes Philippe mentions in his book, The Interior of Freedom, again, those three things. One, maintain trust in God. For interior freedom, three things are essential. Maintain trust or faith in God. Meaning even in the midst of not understanding what's happening right now in your life. To still declare the belief that God is doing a mighty work and that there's not a hair on your head he doesn't know about or, the loved, or, or your loved ones. Yes, the world is getting crazy out there. The evil is increasing. Evil seen as good. Good is seen as evil. Lies are more commonly accepted. Unkind behavior is promoted and supported if it supports a specific agenda that one determines is the right way to go about life. Again, anytime that we have any negative emotions, it's simply because of works of the flesh, trying to do life on our own efforts. I don't know about you, but anytime I try to do life by my own efforts, I come to the end of myself pretty quickly. Which is why that invitation to come back to the first statement for interior freedom, interior freedom to know what? To know that God's got my back. God's got your back. So maintain that trust in God. Two, from that trust in God, that unleashes your ability to love better, to love yourself better, and to love other people better. That's the second one. Maintain that trust and faith in God. Love the people around you. And the third one is to pray. Pray without ceasing. Be a Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Grab from the belief and the faith of the four friends that carried their paralyzed friend in a stretcher on the top of a roof, carved a hole, and lowered him down because their belief was so strong. Have the faith of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. I can't even imagine the lack of energy that she felt. And yet she had faith if I could just touch the hem of his cloak, I will be healed. And she was. On the flip side, we have the lack of faith. You guys have been walking with me for so long. And yet, you're a faithless generation. Don't you know that all things are possible for those who believe? And I'm talking about faith all the way through to the other side, because we're just pilgrims here, my friends. We're just passing through here. And as I've shared before, when I was on my deathbed many times going through advanced cancer, I remember having that choice point of still declaring, God, you are sovereign. If you take my life, if it's my time and I, and I, and I transition out of this world, back home, grant me the grace 
to desire it, that your holy will would be done, and the faith to believe that you're able to make all things new in spite of this. What is it for you today that's robbing you of that inner confidence and interior freedom to know that God has your back? Come closer. Draw near. A little secret, even when Jesus is sleeping in the boat, he's still sovereign. And he knew everything that was going on. I believe he also knew that that was a lesson of faith. Even if you're going through a time of desolation versus consolation, do you still believe? Do you still trust? That's the invitation, that faith to unleash interior freedom. Lord, even though I don't understand why this is happening right now, and I'm confused by what I'm seeing, and I get hijacked by my own emotions because I think this is not the way it should be, I am willing to give you permission to override me. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I'm going to end with a prayer that is actually uh, contained in that article that I thought was a beautiful prayer of faith. Really, it's upping, upping the, the year of faith. Dear Lord, let me see your face, know your heart, and experience your love in my life. Strengthen me with the precious gift of faith. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Give them heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side going on, and we are Christ's ambassador, and he's making his appeal through us. Be willing to go, to get up, to seek, to knock, and be persistent in prayer. God hears you. And he's responding, even though it might not be in the way that you can see yet with your eyes, he's always at work on your behalf and the soul that's willing to trust in him. Jesus is after you. Visit us at edgegodin.com, capture your learnings. If you were listening to this on the go, this is a good study to go back through the gospel of Mark. And lean into these scriptures. Which one stood out to you? Who do you identify with the most? Were you holding the stretcher of the man being carried to Jesus? Perhaps you were the woman. You have fear and trepidation, but yet you do have faith. So you are moving forward to grab a hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. Either way, come as you are, because Jesus adores you. And there's no mistake you are no mistake. And there's no coincidence. There's, 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 it's not coincidence that you're listening into today's podcast. God has some work to do in your life, in my life, in the area of freedom, interior freedom through the archway of faith, faith and trust and belief. Pistis, pistis. Increase your faith. God bless you. And I look forward to our next podcast together. Enjoy your gift of life edgegodin.com.